It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome in. It's the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live. That's Johnny McGonigal. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. We are talking about the latest in Penn State football. And, and Johnny, as we sit here, we are little more than 48 hours away from kickoff. Like the the off season is officially coming to a close. Penn State kicks off their season. What we're going to do today is kind of touch on the last couple of things that came up this week. Uh, we'll talk about the West Virginia matchup a little bit. And then also just recruiting impact from this kind of opening night atmosphere at Beaver Stadium. But the obviously the biggest thing going on right now is Landon Tangwall. Um, what was he third third year offensive lineman, formerly a top rated uh, recruit in his class uh, at Penn State, um, counted on as a likely starter at left guard, um, announces uh, Wednesday night that he has to medically retire from football, and I think that doesn't ever get any less shocking. Like Penn State has had a few of these instances: uh, Jordan Minor, Journey Brown. Uh, Nana Sidu had to medically retire. You know, th- this has become a little bit of a thing, but it's no less jarring now just knowing that a young kid's, you know, his his dream is over and you kind of sympathize with that. Yeah, absolutely, Dustin. It's a really unfortunate situation for uh, Landon Tangwall. Uh, you know, he had been absent from some practices, from Team Photo Day. Even uh, earlier this week, offensive line coach Phil Troutwine you know, tweeted, you know, posted a photo of the offensive lineman, uh, which looked like at his house, you know, for, for a group dinner. And Tangwall wasn't in that photo either. So, you know, there was speculation. I know some fans thought like, oh, maybe did he leave the team? Did he do whatever? But, you know, James Franklin had said that he was dealing with bumps and bruises. And we now know that it's a little bit more serious uh, than that, an injury that, you know, n- undisclosed injury, uh, but separate from the shoulder injury that had uh, cost him the rest of his 2022 season after starting five games, that injury he incurred in the warmups at Michigan. Uh, separate from that, a really unfortunate situation for Landon. You know, unfortunate for Penn State from a football sense, which we'll get to in a second. But like you mentioned, uh, you know, a player who came to Penn State with such high regard, such high you know pedigree as the top player in his recruiting class, a top 100 player nationally from Maryland. And, you know, he, he can't, you know, he can't play football anymore. You know, that's, it's so disheartening. And I just remember talking to Landon uh, back in June and he's always been really good with us too, Dustin, like always been yeah. a great guy to talk to. Uh, and he was so excited for the upcoming season. You know, I asked him about the injury he dealt with last season and, you know, he worked so hard to come back from that. Um, and he had even, you know, he had told me that, you know, it puts things in perspective and the game that you love can be taken away from you in an instant. And, uh, his injury last year made him realize that and he was so excited and happy to be back on the field with his teammates, uh, you know, in the spring and, uh, and, and, and into, you know, obviously workouts throughout the summer. So to have this happen for him is really unfortunate. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, he's going to stay around the program and stay within the team. 
uh, in what capacity that is, whether that's going to be in the meeting rooms, you know, with, with the offensive linemen, or it was going to eventually, you know, be on staff in some capacity. I wouldn't be surprised, but mm. you know, in the interim, in the short term, uh, it's really unfortunate for him to to you know be delivered this news to have to make this decision, you know, days before the season opener. Yeah, and the the timing. I, I feel like um, first of all, you're right that I think Penn State fans were really kind of being like what is up with this situation, you know? And I think a, a good number of them, both because of the shoulder issue last year and because of the training camp issue this year, I don't know if anybody was really like putting his name and pen in the, in the depth chart. Now, like that's strictly from a football standpoint. And I, there's so much more to the situation than that. But uh, I think everybody had kind of taken notice and, and maybe part of this was, um, and James Franklin has spoken probably more about JB Nelson than maybe any other Penn State offensive lineman individually uh, since training camp began. And maybe that's part of it. Now, obviously, he saw additional reps, but they do seem to genuinely feel really, really good about J.B. Nelson as I would presume the starter now at left guard. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we have to transition right from you know one player's career ending to talking about what happens next uh, for Penn State. But you know, with the season right here, that's that's what we got to do, and that's what Penn State has to do. That's what the offensive line has to do. They have to, while supporting Landon, you know, move on. And they they have they have a game coming up here, and like you mentioned, as we record this, less than forty eight hours, or about forty, a little more than forty eight hours. Um, yeah, JB Nelson is going to start on Saturday. That would be my expectation. He's taken an extended amount of reps uh, from what we've seen uh, in camp at left guard. You know, like you mentioned, James Franklin has talked him up. Quite a bit, you know, this this training camp, you know, last week, uh, you know, he was talking about how J.B. Nelson was maybe the most physical offensive lineman they have on the roster. And, and Franklin saying that talking to the defensive lineman on the team, they've got a lot of respect for him. And so going into the season, they expected him to play uh, a good bit. Like you mentioned, Tangwall, you know, he was supposed to start at left guard. Let's make no mistake about that you know he started five games for the team last year before you know suffering that injury at Michigan and he was fully expected uh to be the guy in between Olu Fashanu and Hunter Norris at a left tackle and center uh respectively but you know Nelson has impressed the you know an older you know I shouldn't say an older guy because he only played in four games last year but he's been in the program now for a few years uh, Mount Lebanon product from out in Pittsburgh and uh, you like what he has, uh, both from a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint. You know, he's been preparing over the last you know week, maybe a couple of weeks to to be the guy. Uh, and then it's a matter of who's behind him. You know, and James was asked last night, uh, Wednesday night, about um, you know Van Guyon and Anthony Donka and, and guys who you know Vango we we figured would have a role this year, but Anthony Donka maybe not as a true freshman, but now those those players roles and importance within the program and on the offensive line are now magnified in the short term and the long term and you know what when you started off there just talking about the transition and how harsh it is i mean this, the reality of the situation in sports is that so many times one player's worst moment is another player's biggest opportunity like it's just it's the nature of it's the nature of sport now, this is an uncommon situation and you know i i really feel like uh players and the way they talk about Landon uh, he was a very well liked, very well liked and highly respected teammate. And as such, I would expect to see his face around the program, at least until he graduates. 
uh, maybe even beyond that, but he was an asset uh, and he will continue to be an asset for all those reasons. And I just remember I, I talked to him uh, before he got to Penn state and was just so very impressed with like, not taking himself that seriously was businesslike about uh, football and, and the technique and stuff. And it really struck me just from film and all that, that he was somebody who was going to contribute early and often. And it looked like that was going to be the case. And now, now no more, but uh, JB Nelson, maybe, maybe uh, you know, the opportunity to get in the too deep for somebody else there. So the, the upshot, I guess, is that, Penn State has felt really good about its depth at the at the position. Uh, wouldn't want to get into that depth before game one necessarily, but uh, they felt good about that depth. And I think in years past, if this situation were to have occurred, Penn State would have been hurting a lot more from it. Yeah, if, if Tangwall was able to start and play like you know he and the program had expected, you know, JB Nelson was a guy who would obviously be his backup, but also maybe fill in you know at tackle need be. Uh, with his responsibilities now at left guard, I wouldn't expect that as much. Uh, maybe that brings, maybe that amplifies Drew Shelton's role as a potential swing tackle uh, with Caden Wallace expected to start at right tackle. Uh, maybe that amplifies Javen Williams's role as a true freshman as a tackle if he's needed and JB can't pop out there, whether it's at left or right tackle. Uh, Vengayon, I expect to be you know, the swing guard, uh, you know, two-way guard, you know, if, if need be to fill in on either left or right side. Uh, and he's shown flashes throughout this camp. Franklin pointed that out last night. Franklin also talked a lot about Anthony Donka, you know, former four-star, uh, you know, signee in, in the 2023 class. And, you know, he could probably went under the radar as, as far as the lineman, because you have Javen from Lyon Missing, you've got Alex Birchmeyer, uh, one of the more sought-after prospects in that class in the country. Uh, but Donka, you know, he elevated himself to a four-star prospect. And, you know, he also – he came into Penn State further ahead than the staff anticipated. Uh, you know, when he committed to Penn State, you know, he came up to every single camp, worked a lot with Phil Troutwine, the offensive line coach, and, uh, you know, came in advanced. And, and so Franklin said that they're proud of him and his progress already. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see him get some early run. Uh, you know, we talked, uh, Franklin talked on Tuesday about those green light players. And we've talked about them, you know, Tony Rojas, King Mack, Elliot Washington, and Zion Tracy on the defensive side of the ball as true freshmen that could play that, that are, you know, expected to play more than four games and burn their red shirt. Donka might find himself in that situation uh, in a month or two. Uh, so, like you mentioned, the depth is something that they didn't necessarily want to use right away, but that's that's just kind of how it happens in, in football sometimes, Dustin. And uh, it, it is a huge help. I mentioned Olu at left tackle and Hunter at center. Both of those guys are such big leaders, not only on, on the offensive line, but in within the offense and within the team that, you know, J.B. Nelson is going to get some serious help from those guys, obviously on the field uh, for Olu, one of the best players in the country, bar none. But uh, on the sidelines as well, getting some, co you know, coaching up from those guys as well and getting some help. So uh, it, it's, it's not never an ideal situation for a player to have to step in for a starter like this, but uh, given what's around him. Um, yeah. I think it's all things considered uh, a decent, a decent look now for JB Nelson and left guard. It, it is a good opportunity. You can't ask for much more to be sandwiched between those two players. And um, just look at the 2024 class, just to throw that in there, because 
you know, development and the recruiting pipeline and, and making sure the roster is always loaded with somebody who's ready to contribute at every position on the offensive line as a delicate dance. Uh, I think they've got solutions built in for this year. And then their two highest rated uh, linemen in the 24 class are both both profiles, interior guys, Donovan Harbor, who's a mountain uh, from Wisconsin and Cooper cousins, who was that leader type that we talked about last week uh, at, from Erie McDowell uh, is, is another big, big dude. So like, I, I think it doesn't disrupt the pipeline. Um, Penn state's got, built-in solutions for this year. And you did mention, you know, when, when you bring all those guys in there, the potential for a role change, maybe this isn't the situation that bumps Javen Williams up to uh, burning his redshirt. But now I think he inches closer to that. He's 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 certainly kind of locked into that Drew Shelton type role where maybe it's an injury away from from being forced in, into into duty. So it does have that trickle-down effect, but Penn State has options there and they've got options in the future. So yeah, we'll we'll see how how that goes, and we'll get a, a good look firsthand on on Saturday. Yeah, and then just one more thing to add to this too. I've mentioned Phil Troutline a couple of times. If if you're dealt a hand like this, and, and this is a situation that you find yourself in, I, I feel like there are few better offensive line coaches to handle something like this than Phil Troutline. I think he's done a really good job. He did a phenomenal job last year with the group, and I think just from a developmental standpoint, whenever you talk to the offensive linemen. Phil Troutline ends up coming up uh, and just his relationships with the guys, his obviously the, the technique and all that stuff. Uh, but just the way that he handles the room and the way that he handles situations internally, um, you know, and uh, these guys want to play for him. And I think he's done a really good job as Penn State's offensive line coach. And that can't get overlooked either that when you're when you're dealing with a situation like this, you've got uh, a really good assistant coach, a really good position coach to, to handle it and deal with it. Two final pieces for me, then we'll, we'll move on to West Virginia. But one is, th- well, I think you and I sat here at one point, and I wondered out loud, like, are they are they signing too many? Are they getting commitments from too many offensive linemen in the next two or three classes? And this is exactly why there probably is no such thing. You know, this is this kind of thing happening. And then the other part is, I don't know how Penn State emphasizes this relative to most other Power Five programs, but the cross-training dynamic is, is interesting. So many of these guys uh, training at guard, training at tackle, and I think that makes a lot of sense to understand the totality of the line by playing multiple positions and understanding the perspectives of your teammates, even if, even if you don't end up there. But like J.B. Nelson is, is a guy who had cross-trained. He was ready for a role as a swing player, as, as a backup at maybe four of the five spots. Or now, because... You know, this issue arose early in camp, was able to really hone in on that one particular position and play that at a high level. So I just think that that's interesting because Birchmeyer uh, cross-trained, I believe, through the spring. Garden tackle, Javen Williams, kind of the same situation. And you can start out at one position and ultimately move to another. And it's just an interesting part of all this uh, Penn State's philosophy on, on, you know, getting these guys ready. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those two where, uh, like like we mentioned, the, the the season opener is two days away, and they've been preparing. They being the offensive line and and the offense and the team as a whole for West Virginia for a while now. So it's not like uh, it's not like this is the, the Landon Tangwall situation is a surprise, but the fact that these players, that these linemen, that they this is something that. Troutline and, and, and James Franklin overall preaches all the time uh, is that you never know when your time is going to come. You know, 
James Franklin's emphasis on depth last season is setting itself up, setting the program up well for this season. And I think that just that emphasis uh, throughout the program for these younger players that you never know when your time's going to come and always be prepared to play. Uh, I, I think that's really going to help them. Uh, I also just look at the schedule and I think it's going to help them. You know, West Virginia is you know, no slouch, but there's a reason why Penn state is a 20 point favorite over, over the Mountaineers. Uh, Delaware will not be an issue. Uh, you know, maybe Illinois will be kind of a trap game, like by definition, a trap game. But um, I like Penn State's schedule early. Uh, you get a bye week before a game against UMass, before the game against Ohio State. Uh, so I just think the schedule also kind of sets up nicely uh, for this team and this offensive line specifically uh, to just get in a rhythm and, and work together and you know, just kind of work through any, any of those uh, growing pains that you know, are sure to come. The other good thing is, even if you don't block anybody, Nick Singleton is still a threat to take it to the house. <laughs> so there's exactly. that. Um, West Virginia, uh, night game, 730. It's going to be the what the helmet stripe game. So it's going to kind of look, it's going to look and feel like a whiteout. Uh, I think non-conference opponents get a little bit, uh, a, a little bit of electricity to it too, just because you're bringing a, a brand new team in, new fan base, you kind of want to show them what it's all about. So I think it's going to be a pretty electric crowd and this team's so so good and so anticipated i think everybody's going to be chomping at the bit to, to get out there and and uh cheer like crazy but uh west virginia you mentioned being a 20 point dog i think the over under is somewhere around 50 50 and a half for this one uh, i think you and i kind of picked comparable scores pen live staff predictions went up on the site penlive.com slash penn state football thursday um everybody expecting a penn state win a uh, couple things. One is what's the most threatening way this game can go for Penn state. Would it be West Virginia getting those four running backs going like that's, that seems to be to me to be the biggest threat that West Virginia presents. Yeah. And not just the running backs, but the quarterback as well, Garrett green, who has not been named the starter, but James Franklin said that he fully anticipates green to be the guy. And, you know, going back and looking at some of West Virginia's film from last season when they, they not that they got on a, a crazy hot run like Penn state did towards the end of the year, but uh, you know, they started to play a little bit better and, and won some games. I just remember going back and looking at the Oklahoma state game and, and the legs that Garrett green has. And uh, you know, Penn State's defense is super aggressive, super disruptive. They want to wreak havoc, and I think they will. But in terms of a path of West Virginia keeping this thing close, is running the ball a ton, you know, catching them off balance, catching them on, on you know, uh, you know, if, if Penn State overcommits uh, and and you're able to break a run if you're Garrett Green, the quarterback, um, I think that's the path. But you know, I, I could see him picking up some chunk plays, but. I just don't think that West Virginia has the firepower or really the talent at all to to make this a real game. Uh, I think Penn State is going to be able to run all over them. You mentioned Nick Singleton. I think it's a, another game prime for uh, Katron Allen as well. Uh, and, you know, even with the offensive line uncertainty, a little bit of a left guard, I think these guys are going to be able to handle West Virginia's front pretty well, uh, create a, a nice cushy pocket for Drew Aller to throw from whenever he wants to throw. I don't think he's going to have to throw a whole bunch, but uh, this is also a West Virginia defense that was among the worst uh, in the country last year in allowing big plays, uh, third, you know, plays of 30 yards or more. They had, you know, they allowed 31 uh, and they didn't make a bowl game. So they only played in 12 games. So among the, among the teams that played in 12 games last year, uh, the power five teams that played in 12 games, the only ones that had that allowed more than that, 
were Colorado and Vanderbilt. It's, it's just not a good not good company to be in, Dustin. <laughs> uh, if you're West Virginia's defense, and I don't see you know much improvement there either. So you know, expect Nick Singleton to break off a long run. Expect Katron Allen. Uh, to break off a long run. Maybe Drowler finds, you know, Keandre Lambert-Smith for a, a catch-and-go uh, situation or Theo Johnson for a catch-and-go uh, down the field, down the, down the heart of, you know, that defense. So I think Penn State is going to be able to handle them, you know, pretty well. Uh, you know, yeah, it, it, maybe they score on the opening drive or two and you, know, you have some a little bit of uncertainty there, but uh, I, I think this is going to end up being pretty comfortable for Penn State, and I think you agree. Yeah, I, I do agree. I picked a 37-13, and it just feels like if, if I were to make a list, let's say I were to make a list of, like, the 12 best individual players in this game, wouldn't Penn State have, like, 11 of them? They might have 12. They might. It might It might vary. And that's no knock on I mean, what I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. The one guy that would crack that would be Zach Frazier, the center for West Virginia, who has already gotten some, some 2024 NFL draft type. I read uh, Dane Brugler from The Athletic ranked him as his number one center. Uh, and so when you're West Virginia and you're coming into an environment like Beaver Stadium and night game primetime, uh, essentially whiteout vibes, right? Like I think having an experience and really good center helps with that. You know, is he going to be able to carry the entire offense? No, no. So um, yeah, if you were to you know, pick the 12 best players in this game, you know, Penn State has 11 of them. And, and there's a, is a center and, to orchestrate yeah. and to lead and guide and, and hostile territory, there's value in that, but he's not catching it or running it. You know, he's no. not scoring. He's not scoring the ball. He's not making sacks. Like I, I think, um, and and so that to me says like there's margin here. Like West Virginia could could put together, and I don't really know. Like it, uh, to me, it just seems like Neil Neil Brown is kind of coaching his last games, whatever number that that is. Like it seems like it's coming to the end of the row. We'll see. Um, so it just doesn't seem like they're gonna have this you know, magical inspired effort in, in week one when they're at such a hefty deficit in terms of just overall playmakers. But, you know, to your point, I think Penn state's got to be patient within that, you know, everybody's amped up and keyed up to make a play. You just got to make sure that you're minding your cues and they've got enough veteran defenders that uh, I think, I think they'll get there. It's just like, you know, West Virginia's offensive line is, is pretty good and it's very experienced. So, uh, there's another additional challenge, but we're not expecting Penn State to have to sweat too much uh, in this one. The last part of this, um, just with you know it being a, more or less a whiteout night crowd, national television on NBC, um, I don't know yet what the full recruiting visitor list looks like, but just what are your thoughts on this being a non-conference opponent, a regional opponent that has a reputation, uh, night crowd, Beaver Stadium for, you know, a top 10 team. Like it is a really good platform for James Franklin to sell his program. Yeah, absolutely. I think whatever recruits are going to be in the stand are going to witness a, a, a hefty Penn State win. I realized I didn't throw in my actual prediction. I know you did. I've got 34 to 10. And I, I really only think I think. Penn State only scores 34 because they can kind of take take the foot off the gas a little bit and just make sure they get out of there healthy and and everything moving forward. But uh, yeah, taking a look at some of the preliminary visitor lists that you know the recruiting sites put together. Some of these guys announce you know on I guess it's not Twitter, it's X now. Uh, you know they post on social media that they're going to be visiting uh, for this game. There is a heavy influence of local talent. Uh, you know, from the Pittsburgh area, from Harrisburg area, you know, throughout the state, 
the guys that are going to be, you know, some of them ultimately deciding between Penn State and West Virginia and Pitt and Maryland and some of these schools. And I mean, I look at a guy like Deshaun Burnett from Imani uh, Christian Academy in Pittsburgh, Brady O'Hara, who is a heavy Penn State lean from North Catholic, um, you know, even Tawai Hayes, the running back from uh, Aliquippa. Uh, I had mentioned Harrisburg players. It looks like Tyler Merrill from uh, you know, Cumberland Valley and Bishop McDevitt's uh, Maurice Barnes and Harrisburg's Kevin Brown are going to be in attendance looking at the 2025 and 2026 classes. Uh, it should be it should be a crowded group of recruits. And uh, like you mentioned, Dustin, it's basically, you know, the, the night game the, the you know, on NBC, it's a big occasion, uh, even if it isn't a ranked matchup, it's a big occasion. Uh, and then I would expect plenty of those guys that maybe come back for the the Iowa game. Uh, the, the true whiteout on September 23rd. Uh, those those two games might be the, you know, maybe not the highest attended, but it might be the, the, the two highest attended in terms of recruits uh, because you've got Michigan in November. Uh, but outside of that, you know, the, these these two games upcoming, West Virginia and Iowa in, in a few weeks are, are, you know, two of the biggest games that Penn State has on its home schedule. So, uh, yeah, I would expect a, a healthy group. I would expect plenty of, you know, James Franklin hugs and daps and, and handshakes and all that uh, during the, the team introduction, the, the, the team arrival, uh, you know, coming down the street there outside Beaver Stadium. So, um, yeah, I would expect a, a healthy group and wouldn't be surprised if there's a commit or two. And, and I mean, a, a lot of times it might not be immediate, but it might just be the the final straw for somebody to, to make that call. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Big week one uh, should be electric, should be fun. Uh, the start of something that a lot of Penn State fans are hoping are a spe- is a special year. Penn State about a 20-point favorite, 50 points or so, the over-under, 7.30 p.m. NBC, Penn State, West Virginia. Looking forward to that, Johnny. Looking forward to what you uh, you and the team kind of crank out. That's at PennLive.com slash Penn State football. Next week around this time, we'll be, we'll be reliving uh, what happened in this game. So check that out on the Blue White Breakdown, everywhere you can get podcasts. So enjoy the game, and we'll see you right back here on PennLive.com and the Blue White Breakdown.